Welcome to Educators Not Robots, a podcast that humanizes the educational experience. Today we are introducing Ms. Jody Hokinson. Ms. Jody has been a Montessori early childhood educator for 30 years in the Sacramento and Stockton area. She earned her AA in early childhood education at San Joaquin Delta College, her Montessori credential from the National Center for Montessori Education, and a director certification from Humphreys College. Because Montessori pedagogy requires that children be allowed to work at their own pace in all academic content areas, preschool and kindergarten age students are combined together in classes based on their academic abilities rather than their age. Therefore, Ms. Jody's experience is in teaching two to six-year-old mixed-aged classes. Ms. Jody has had a special place in the Sauceda Elopre family's heart, as she has been a preschool teacher for both of our children since 2015. Upon the birth of our first child, it was important to Anthony and myself that from a young age, our children would not only get as much academic support and socialization support as possible, but that whatever schools the children would attend, the teachers would love and care for the children as family. Ms. Jody exceeded our expectations and has helped create both an academic and social foundation for the children that will reside within them for the rest of their lives. Let's do it. All right, Ms. Jody, early childhood educator, Montessori extraordinaire. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored. This is very exciting. So we know Ms. Jody because she has taught our children and still teaches our children um, as a Montessori educator since Victoria was about three years old until... She was five, and then she went off to kindergarten, and then Julian, since he was two, and he is now going off to kindergarten, but with distance learning, Miss Jody comes to our house, and we get her to come help us with our son and, and still be part of our family, and we really appreciate that. Oh, I love it. I feel so um, honored to still be part of his education and still get to see him, and um, especially at home. I, I, I love seeing him, as I say, in his natural habitat. Yes, yes. <laughs> so first day, Ms. Jody comes to our house. Julian's super excited, can't control his excitement, took off all his clothes except his underwear, and spent his two hours with you in his chonies. <laughs> so he was... <laughs> A cape, right? Oh, yeah, he, that's true. He started with the cape, ended in just chonies. <laughs> this is the benefits of homeschooling. Yeah. Yes, it is. And as you know, you know, Batman's underwear on the outside. Yes, he, and then he did do that one day, didn't he? He put underwear on the outside the next time he saw you. So he kept yep. his clothes on, underwear on the outside of his pants. Yep. yep. <laughs> Love that boy. Love it. That's why I said like to see him at home where he's comfortable and it's the best of both well it is I actually it. a huge deal because he's uh otherwise pretty shy um uh, when we first took him over to montessori school his uh his mo was to follow the teacher during recess and not play with any other kids he just followed the teacher the entire time and since then he'd be like a ninja yeah he's well he has buddies now all his friends are Trying to get in touch with them still, and uh, we have yes. one of them, um, Pete. You remember uh, Peter? He's uh, yes. doing Minecraft. Um, they're doing Minecraft together um, on the Nintendo Switch, yeah, and they're FaceTiming oh, each gosh. other. They, he's teaching them Minecraft because Julian's never played Minecraft, wow. and Peter's been teaching them oh. on FaceTime. <laughs> so they get playtime in still. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome, and they still get that connection. I mm -hmm. think that's what's the best for them right now because it's the hardest not seeing each other, not being together, but just having that little bit of um, connection, hearing each other's voices, I think that makes a huge difference for them. Makes it normal again. Absolutely, and I think that's something that, I think it's been talked about a lot now because of distance learning, that, um, so it's becoming more prominently known that in these early years, the socialization trumps like any other academic you know, need yeah. it's yeah. Prior to meeting you and going through Montessori, I mean, I, I guess just because we were young parents as well, but I had no real idea about the, I guess, the complexity of uh, the children's social life. Like at that yes. age, even at that age, it's just you can see there's a lot going on, 
and I think it became more and more apparent the more I was able to watch Julian in school with with you and with the teachers over there so yeah I really really learned a lot and and I'm a huge supporter now Mm -hmm. of getting kids social social time with their with their peers yes I think that's what makes a significant difference in in building their personality you know the school acts absolutely is significant for the academics but it also is the socialization the the um, building friendships building bonds having those connections um, feeling out your personality Mm -hmm. so many different personalities come into play at that age Mm -hmm. you've got the strong aggressive ones that you hear their name every day and then you've got the ones that are more that um are reserved and they hang back and and that was julian from the beginning he is an observer he watches it all he takes it all in and then when he's ready and he was prepared oh my goodness he just kind of (laughs) like that superhero where he was kind of under um incognito he didn't know and then all of a sudden he got onto the playground and and the same thing as he built that confidence as he had the the security and that self-esteem of knowing he was safe in an environment where he was nurtured that he just exploded so that i think for me especially is what i get the most joy from teaching is watching children grow from toddlers Mm -hmm. to um coming into themselves to being independent to being confident um to to speak out for themselves you know to find their their inner voice you know and and be heard so for me like i say watching julian even victoria Mm -hmm. i am so blessed that i still get to see victoria still growing and changing so i I feel so fortunate that I've been there from the beginning, that I watched that that foundation grow. And that was um, what Miss Chris, my mentor teacher, taught me so much about is, is, like you were saying, Tony, it truly is that foundation. I mean, we're just that very first step in the education. But you lay that groundwork. Mm-hmm. You have that strong foundation of the confidence, independence, self-directed, self-motivated. They lead there different children you know that's what I love but then it's the saddest part because then they go and (laughs) I know they're taking so much with them and and like I say watching Victoria now being so gifted and Mm. and at the same time how it also impedes my little Montessori friends because um, what I'm seeing even in public school is they leave Montessori they um they're more questioning they don't really just take information for what it is. They right. want more knowledge, they want more information, they want deeper understanding. Um, so watching Victoria and seeing her um, is payoff to me. I just, I love that. So you've been doing this for a little while. You've been uh, observing these children for a couple of years at Montessori here in Stockton. Yeah. Where did you uh, begin your career? I'm actually curious about that because I don't think we've ever discussed that before. So I've been so fortunate. Uh, I actually stumbled into Montessori right out of high school. I graduated in in 1988 um, from Stagg High School here in Stockton. And a group of mine and I were at Delta College taking early childhood education units. And she was working at a little, um, it used to be called um, New World Montessori. It's now called Mm. Bright Minds Montessori. Mm. Amazing little school, but it's in a home. So she was working there for the summertime and and I had come in to to see her at lunch and I thought it was just a daycare. So as I go into the school and I I see the environment, number one, I'm I'm just in awe of the environment, the beauty of the materials. Then two, I I see these children who um, are not like little kids, they're like little people they're just doing their (laughs) thing they're independent and and my friend and I stepped to the side for a minute and she spoke to me and and at that exact time a little one had spilled their snack and had spilled it it happened to be like a cracker and and milk but it was everywhere the table the floor and I told my friend I said oh you need to go over and and help them you know they're going to need your help and she said no 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 this is Montessori the children you know they know what to do on their own and I said, you know, this is what? <laughs> and so she, she, and even the owner, um, the Shirley Gary's her name, a wonderful woman. And she said, no, this is a different approach. And, 
And if you're interested, you know, there's a Montessori teacher training college. And mm. so I thought, oh, and again, these children had spilled their snack. No, no panic in them. No, no, you know, like they say, crying over spilt milk. There was <laughs> nothing. These children went and got a sponge. They sponged the table, put their sponge away, went and got a child-sized mop, mopped up the floor, <laughs> put the mop away, went and got a fresh cup and poured their milk and sat back down and had snack. Didn't It wasn't even a speed bump. They just went right about their business. So that in itself impressed me just how independent they were Mm. so then as i again was so curious about it um, i went to the montessori teacher training college it was in sacramento at the time and fell in love with it i love everything about it i love the philosophy i love the materials i love implementing the materials so i was fortunate enough to get an internship at it was at the time montessori children's house and that's where I started. I had an amazing teacher, a mentor teacher, Miss Chris. And um, through her, she showed me the beauty of Montessori and her love for it and enthusiasm for it. And after that, that was in 1989. I, I never turned away. Yeah, so I'm going into my 30th year. And you and Miss Chris were together because by the time we met you in 2015, Miss mm-hmm. Chris was actually the one I met first. Because she was the yes, director yeah. of the Montessori school and she invited me there and then she took me over to you. And, and then I learned, I think that was one of the first things she said. She's like, oh, me and Miss Jody have been working together for like 15 years. And, and I was like, that is incredible <laughs> that yeah. you two like we followed so each other. Yeah. And she was really, yeah. she was really an amazing woman and like really helped us because as a, and so as a, um, I had told you, but the people listening wouldn't know we had Victoria in another Montessori school and it wasn't exactly Montessori, and it was hard. I I feel bad looking back that I kept her in as long as I did, because um, ne- once we came to your school in Stockton, and I I saw it, I was like, oh, this is Montessori. But at the time, I had never seen Montessori in real life. I'd only read about it on the internet and saw like videos of people talking about it. So when I went to the the first school, I was I, I felt like it didn't seem right. But I, I but I remember even telling my husband like I've never seen it though before. So maybe I just didn't understand what it was. Um, but then when we came the first day, Miss Chris took us to the back. Um, you took Victoria by the hand and just was like, Oh, you're a Montessori kid. You know what to do. Let me just give you the tour real quick and. I mean, and then I, I just remember it was exactly what I imagined it was supposed to be when I walked in. Just the kids were doing their jobs, eating snacks, just all of them independently working, behaving. And the adults were just facilitating learning. Like there was no, there was no, there wasn't where in public school, it's just mostly compliance based. In this case, it was very inquiry based and independent um, and I just thought this is exactly this is what I thought it was supposed to be. Yeah, so that that the philosophy, uh, you know, my understanding is that it is something like uh, independent exploration. Um, can you can you expand on that a little bit for us? Because I don't want to mess that up. It, what is the Montessori philosophy that you mentioned earlier? So it is. It's for for teaching Montessori. It's it is to help children has it started maria montessori started wanting to help children of special needs that they she she thought could not be taught Mm -hmm. who were in schools and they really thought needed to be um um, instituted away because they were unteachable Mm -hmm. so she as a teacher also as an educator i also as a nurse was um, able to make the materials she um took these materials into the classroom that were hands-on. You know, that for me is the biggest part of, of Montessori is everything they do is concrete. You're, you're internalizing it by touching it. You're, you're mm. seeing it. It's not an abstract idea that, that you're told about or, or explained or even over-explained. You get to actually sit down with materials. You're, um, as the, the teacher, I'm facilitating the lesson. They call us the director in the classroom where I'm just kind of directing the lesson. I'm, I'm teaching it. And then after that, the, the child is then teaching it to their peers or then maybe doing it again and again to repeatedly get from the material what they need from it in terms of fulfillment. Um, uh, Montessori has uh, 
um, stages and ages so and, and sensitive periods so she would make materials for these sensitive period um, so for that exact sensitive period for these children who again they they had given up on and thought were unteachable and brought them in and were able and saw that these children were learning and mm. capable and and she left them within these classrooms to be um, um, independent right. to then set up what they needed and have everything in the environment. That's what also is beauty of Montessori. The environment has to be prepared. You need that environment mm -hmm. to have everything that that child needs to be successful. Uh, and again, even in the Montessori materials that she made, they're self-corrected. So as that child gets to the end of, say, a cylinder block, a simple cylinder block, which is a wooden block and you're taking out the size of, of cylinders that may differentiate in width or in height. So as you're taking them out and there's 10 cylinders and as you take out each cylinder from the block, then you begin to put the 10 cylinders back in on your own. Mm -hmm. You maybe get to that last cylinder and you realize, oh, it doesn't fit back into the block. Mm -hmm. Then it's self-correct. The child knows, oh goodness, I've made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Take the blocks back out, try again. It's teaching without um, children being impeded by, by adults, by constant information, constant bombardment of what they need to do, where children left an environment on their own that is a structured environment that is set up for them to succeed um, will flourish on their own. And, and that's totally what Montessori is about, is, is for these children to feel an environment that they have endless learning in, um, um, aren't impeded in any way. If they want to stay, for instance, with that cylinder block for a week, I'm not going to come and say, goodness sakes, you've had that cylinder block out all week. Let's <laughs> move on and do something else. Um, there's something that child needs to gain. There's something innate in that child that's going back to that material where they either feel successful in doing that or maybe feel they want to think outside the box and try a different way. Um, I've had children then take that cylinder block out and want to do it blindfolded. Um, <laughs> so, that, yes, which impresses me because, again, that's taking it to a whole different level. Right. Um, so that's what impresses me, again, as a teacher stepping back. I didn't tell them, oh, try it with your eyes shut. Um, it was a blindfold <laughs> from another job, and they took the blindfold and put it on and said, look, I can do it with my eyes shut. And I said, well, that's how you know you mastered it. <laughs> well, see, this is the kind um, of stuff, too, like, I I didn't really have a, an idea about what sort of um, supplemental teaching we would do at the house, you know, while the kids are going to school, and we're trying to, trying to build on what they're learning from their teachers. Um, but really, I feel like I've learned quite a bit from what you've been doing, and I think that we benefited a lot from your experience and the methods that you picked up along with, you know, along the way with Miss Chris. And I feel like uh, the kids are just are growing and developing, um, you know, beautifully as a result. So we really appreciate the work that you've been doing. And Thank I, you what I love, very much. What I love most about it is um, Montessori, you have, as a teacher, you have to inherently trust and believe that the kids can do it on their own. And I think that's, Absolutely. that's the most beautiful thing about it because what I, it, in, in the public schools, in the high school, it definitely there's like a control problem. And, and some teachers will openly admit, like, I have a control freak problem. <laughs> like, and that's become a... And it's become especially apparent in distance learning because we're not in the classroom with the kids. And a lot of teachers are like, well, the kids aren't going to do the work if I'm not there to make them do it. And um, and I think that what was interesting is I was able to, um, my principal at my site was sent out a survey and um, we got feedback from students, parents and teachers um, when we first had the stay at home closures in the last semester of this last school year. And students in their responses said, many of them, that one of the benefits they saw or the things that they thought went well was that I was being forced to manage my time. I was being forced to hold myself accountable. Like I didn't yes. have a choice. I had to do it on my own. And I think like That's it's really important that if, if they're not doing it by the time they're teenagers, something went wrong uh -huh. along the way. And, and so that's one thing where I, I, I look forward to in distance learning. Like my kids are, my students are having to, 
I hope take advantage of, okay, my teacher's not going to be there to hold my hand. I've got to figure this out until I see her again. And, um, and I think I'm hoping that this is something that once we go back to schools, we, we hold on to like, oh, we need to trust these kids that kids can do it if we give them the space yes. to do it. And that's what I really love right. about Montessori for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's the beauty of it also is is knowing that it's innate in them, that we just trust in that um, because it is a lifetime skill that we're giving them at that age also. Or even like you say, um, it's one of those things that is important to know that um, it's not, I've even noticed it too, as it's been in the distant learning where everything is controlled, every movement, every, what are you writing? Um, not yet, wait, put your pencil down. I didn't say color yet. Mm. Uh, and it's a lot of um, where, again, for the Montessori kids that I've had, they, when you give them a, um, an instruction, they go with it. They, right. they, they've been informed. They know they have the knowledge. They have the resources. So then they just go for it. So now I'm seeing in this distant learning where they may have a packet of work, but you may not do that packet of work. You need to wait. And, mm -hmm. and, and especially as some of it's on the screen and the teacher can see you moving ahead, it's not okay. You need to wait. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh my gosh, that's the opposite of what I've been instilling for these children, especially some that have been there since toddlers, yeah. who we've taught to be self-directed. We've said, um, we've stood back and said, if you need us, let me know, or ask your classmate, where it, that's, you know, sometimes yeah. not the reality in public school, or even right now, you definitely yeah. have a hard time asking your classmates. <laughs> uh, Victoria got pretty lucky yeah. last year. She started doing a couple of project-based learning uh, assignments, uh, and it was throughout the year, actually, that she was doing them. And as a result, I feel like she's she really benefited from that format of project-based learning. And I think that it, uh -huh. it wasn't, as, it's not common. I don't think it's common yet. But it's, I think uh, the research that I understand is showing that that's kind of the way ahead. Like we need to incorporate more of that because what it does is it does allow for kids to learn uh, at their own rate and also to be a little bit more independent and have that sort of autonomy to pursue a issue or a problem in the direction that they they understand is best and they interpret it as you know interesting or or correct you know yes and valid yes absolutely and absolutely I, no, I completely agree i think the other thing too is it teaches them to learn about their limits or what you know because if you're not if you're constantly micromanaging them and telling them when to pick up the pen and when to not and you know, you're, they're never learning like how far they can go or when do they need to pace themselves? When do they need to slow down? And I definitely see it at the high school level when they get to me I, this weekend. So I had to take the day off on Friday yesterday because I had a serious migraine, probably the smoke. I don't know, but it was rough. Uh -huh. and, and the screen time. The yeah. screen time and everything. And so we had to get, I had to get a sub, which was a nightmare in itself because this is a distance learning sub. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And I had posted some directions. There was some technical issues that I had to, like, I had to make a quick decision to change an assignment I had already prepared for them. So I write all the right. instructions on the their Google Classroom. When they first log in, it'll be the first thing they see. And then all day I was receiving messages on the messaging app that I use with my students on, what do we do? How come we can't get in? What is happening? What is happening? And I, and I had to keep sending, it's there. It's on the right. Google Classroom, the instructions so are there. Yep. And they just don't uh -huh. use, they have the critical thinking skills, but they're not using it to figure it out before they ask. Yeah. And and yeah. one of the things that I think is really important is that this is not a distance learning thing because they do this to me when we're in the classroom too. I have to <laughs> tell them, <laughs> read the instructions that I wrote. How can you find well, the answer before you come to me? And that can be really hard too. Yes. Some of them interpret that as, oh, so we're not allowed to ask you questions. And I'm like, that's not what I said. Right. No. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. I'm here for that. I'm just asking, <laughs> did you think about it first? Did you help yourself first? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, I think, you know, there's something happening along the way that they're not giving that space to figure things out and have to think about it. Which is struggle. really odd because one of the first things I experienced in like my earliest jobs, like as a barista at a coffee shop, 
there, and then even now today, there's never been a time where I feel like it was bad to try to do something. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it's like if you can try to figure out the the, the answer on your own, do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've never oh, had, oh. I've never had an experience where my boss was like, "Hey, why did you try to fix this?" You know, <laughs> but I feel like that kids are afraid to try to like figure it out, and it's like, yes, so confusing. It's scary. A so little true. Bit. No, yeah. it is, and I think that's a, a a big thing. Also, that people are also afraid to make mistakes. You yes, know, in a world that's the biggest one. So right, um, it has to be so perfect, and then if it's not, then it is such a failure. And I think that's so significant right now. Absolutely, uh, and it, 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 uh, I know for uh, unfortunately. Montessori doesn't have elementary anymore, but that was um, even high school. Actually, I think once Sacramento does, but that's what the students did. It didn't matter if you were there, Rosalie, or if you needed a substitute. What you needed to do was written on the board for you, whether it be a, a, a math job, a language job, you were journaling, whatever it was, everything was on the board for you that day. And then the entire classroom had all of the resources you needed to, to retain that information or, or to then ask your friends, then to collaborate and, and learn further. Or then, like you say, to ask or to try or to step out of the box and make a mistake and then try again. Um, we don't have that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what's kind of terrorizing in that sense or terrifying is that uh, children aren't self-directed. Mm-hmm. They really won't think for themselves in that sense because it has all um, been, like I said, that information's either been over-explained or then harped on or you need to or how come you haven't. So in that sense, I think often kids will shut down then or or maybe not um, try it or think about it or mm-hmm. question. Even I hear them always say, what? What? And I'm like, oh, no, no, you know what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or then I repeat myself because I think it's a habit. But I, you know, you you know what I said or you know what I need to do. It's right there for you. Think for yourself. Right. Um, but that doesn't happen a lot anymore. And, and that's a life skill again that um, it does have to be taught at a young age so that in high school it's innate in you. It's something that... Um, Again, you don't need your teacher or you need your teacher for the backup information or for the clarity. Um, But yeah, I really, I think that's what I feel so blessed with Montessori is that, um, and even with Julian and Victoria having that with them and then taking it on for schooling or their whole life, you know, time management, like you said, life skills of organization and time management. And yeah, absolutely. How do you build up uh, to embracing the risks risk to fail like i don't like is there any specific way or is there a typical age where you see kids kind of um i don't know making a leap of faith and and just starting to go for it uh is there anything that you do specifically to just get them to want to try something without being so concerned about the failure piece like is what what are the, what are your tricks for for addressing that particular issue? Because that to me is the number one issue. It is big. I think just knowing that they have that safety net, that confidence mm. that you have in them, that you've already instilled in them, that you know they can, and then just to try it um, one step at a time. You know, for instance, there's a, a structure on the playground where some kids will come onto that playground and they fly right onto it. <laughs> They're not impeded by it at all. Mm. Other friends, they may not get on that slide for months, mm-hmm. um, and and it's not forced. It's not going to be oh gosh, you know, look what you're missing out on. Look what your friends are doing. Mm. Um, it's it's going to be innate in them to feel that comfort to then see that maybe to them it isn't fun. You you don't know. To each child it's so different or yeah. each person is different what they gauge as, as comfortable or not comfortable. So for me, it's so individualized where I just give them that the self-esteem, the confidence to know it's okay to try. It's okay to make a mistake. We all do. Um, I joke with... Um, kids all the time mm-hmm. where they're writing or even like they'll write on the dry erase board or um, they'll make a mistake and they'll want to scribble it out. I'm like, no, 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 no. Why do you think they made erasers? Because <laughs> yeah. every 
mistakes. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to make a mistake. And I tell the kids too that that makes you stronger, or it gives you that opportunity of growing, or changing, or trying. And and maybe it's not in your comfort level at that time. So let's try again another day. Um, so it's something I always just let them do independently. I want to encourage, but it's something I never push. But or let's check it out. Let's let's ask questions about it. Let's. Um, find out more information so because it is you never want them to be afraid you know you never want to have fear in them so to me the more knowledge the more confidence that you give them um the more let's try let's just give it a try i think it, it never hurts you know what now that i think of it i've actually seen you use uh humor quite a bit and it's very effective when i see you kind of you'll make a joke or something about a mistake that's been made and I think what you're doing there, it just has such a, a positive um, feedback for the kids that, yeah, and they're like, oh, a mistake is something that we can just be like have fun with and we can learn from Absolutely. it instead of being afraid of it. And I think that is really, really something else, because I think uh, even even now, as, as you know, someone who I think I, I mean, I, I consider myself pretty easygoing and what and whatnot, but like. Every now and then, it, I think it's good to have a reminder that you can laugh at yourself and, you, you know, you shouldn't be taking yes. yourself so seriously. And yep. that's especially no, for our own kids. Both Victoria and Julian are both pretty sensitive to mistakes that they make. And I definitely saw the changes in them both when they were going through your program and the Montessori program here in Stockton. Because um, one of the things they both do, they both done this to me as toddlers and going into preschool age is um they like to draw and then i like to draw mm -hmm. and so i'll draw with them and then they'll look at my drawings and they'll say oh you're really good at that mommy and i'll be like oh, okay and then i want i can i want to draw a tiger too so what i was yes. saying though was that i so i would my kids victoria did this first and then julian still kind of does it now is they'll say like oh i want to draw a tiger too but i can't draw it like you can draw it and then i have to coax them to you know try just try and like it's okay and it's going to take practice and I remember Victoria was so hard on herself for a long time but I think that um and now she loves to draw she draws she's such a I don't know if she showed you her drawings when she's here when you're here with us but she's pretty amazing <laughs> her drawing skills wow. so um, wow so Julian is now on that path but I do feel that once they were in the program like it they really it calmed down like I think they're still everybody wants to do well like that's just going to be part of who we are but they definitely learn to cope with that anxiety a little better when they're when they're going to the the Montessori program and and then the cool thing is kind of like what Tony was saying sometimes we'll pick things up from you when we're like in the classroom and so we use the little phrases you use with them like oh you know like remember Miss Jody said and, and, and Julian he tells us that too he tells us that you get what you get and you don't throw a fit all the time <laughs> Yep, that's ours in the classroom. It's true. It's true. And so, yeah, even when they're making mistakes, making numbers, you know, lots of them will transpose their numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and I have even heard other colleagues be like, "Oh, that's not right. Erased it." And I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh, goodness." Um, for me, there's always a different way of saying it or a different approach. So, and again, even Tony was saying the humor side of it, where I say, "Oh, my goodness." Um, that's not letter you know you've turned nine into p yeah. nine does you know nine looks at eight nine doesn't look over at ten um <laughs> so it is just funny things in humor or even in drawing um thank gosh i'm bad at it so the kids never worry about that <laughs> but as i do things or even if i write numbers or, or say i write a sentence out faster than the children uh, i use my age and i tell them listen you know miss jody's 50 years old and i've had a lot of practice do you see that practice you know that's why i always tell you practice your writing each day because the more you practice the better you get um so i use it almost as like a a lesson too of like you'll get here too type thing yeah. <laughs> and that's something i've even picked up with the high school i feel like this year so this is the first year i get to just be a teacher because i was i was an intern so i was in my first two three years of teaching i was interning and going to school at night and then i went into my graduate program so this is and now i'm done so i feel like i Yay. yeah i know <sighs> But I feel like this year, especially with the distance learning, like I really 
put that in the forefront, like what you said, like watching the way I correct them and my words and being very cognizant of the impact I have on them. Because even when they're teenagers, they might look like they're becoming adults with their, they're, they're getting taller and they're growing facial hair and their voices are changing, but they are still very much sensitive little babies. <laughs> so, you bet. Um, oh, absolutely. They feel every word you say. You bet. Yeah. And I think, I, I feel like that's even something I picked up. It's not even just with my own kids. It's with my students of just kind of, I feel like Montessori is like a, a leading with your heart type of a teaching philosophy. True. And I think in this case too, it's just remembering like I'm dealing with somebody else's children and they, um, they need to be led with love and like, we're just going to yes. get through it, especially right now. Uh -huh. And I feel like uh -huh. those are things I picked up just watching you and Miss Baker and everybody at the Montessori school, like, Oh, that's a good way to phrase that. I'm going to use that with the teens. <laughs> right. No, it's true. And I always think of that also, you know, I, I had a, an amazing teacher as I was a child um, uh, that was able to, if I would have trouble in the classroom, say with a, a project or an assignment and I needed that extra time, I never felt um, stupid with her for say, you know, with a teacher, sometimes I felt stupid. I felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know the answer. And then I felt less than. Um, then I had this teacher, Miss Carmen, who never made me feel less than, even if I didn't have the question or answer, or I had the answer wrong, I was never felt less than or um, uh, damaged. I, I feel like you can get teachers along the way that can be damaging. Yeah. And um, that's what I, I never want in life. And especially children as, as young as they are when I get them, um, there cannot be a teacher that can be damaging or in any way distrustful or hurtful or harsh or um, puts a, a, a heaviness on a child of not answering a question or feeling wrong or, or like I hate the word, but feeling stupid or mm -hmm. um, so for me, that is the biggest impact is that I want on a child is to never feel um, that they're not valued, that their answer, even if it's wrong, well, you know what, let's research it, let's check it out. Um, uh, let's try again, you know, again, like you talked about making mistakes or trying, let, let's try again. Um, so yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And again, uh, I have to give all the, the, the credit to, to Miss Chris and even my start at uh, Montessori Children's House with Barbara and Carl Clark. Um, that's where it, it all began for me. And that's where I saw that, that teaching does make a difference, even at a super young age. Um, you know, they come in as toddlers, mm -hmm. uh, but that's where they're molded. That's where it starts. That's where you start to mold their mind, their heart, their personality. Um, so for me, it's so significant. I've had friends ask, you know, what I want to teach a different age or or even be in a public school but for me it it is only Montessori because I, I only ever want that approach I only want people that follow that same philosophy that that have it in their heart that because um, goodness sakes we know it's not in the pocketbook <laughs> right. so well, you know, it has to be someone that loves teaching and, and is there because they have the passion for it and and want to raise children that are confident and um, not ever felt to be less than. And so, yeah, I think that's one of the most significant things for me for teaching and um, especially, like I say, in early child education, I want to make sure these children leave there uh, ready for the next challenge or to take on their next goal. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what, what have you ever had um, an experience in your teaching career where um, there was like a struggle with a student to, because there's like, you know, like people will say like not all teaching styles are for every student. Do you feel like that's true for Montessori? It, it can be uh, if, if sometimes you maybe get a, a teacher personality that is much more controlling. Um, like you say, you, you want to control um, maybe what you're teaching that day or how long you're going to teach or what subject you want to teach. But um, 
you may get a classroom of children that day that really aren't that interested. So I have seen teachers that are um, have a hard time with that or or have struggled um, and, and have more frustration in their teaching because they're um, want to control it more where I've seen other teachers um, that again embody the Montessori um, a little more and are able to step back in the environment and and as we say you take the cue from the child um, you you step back and you change your lesson plan that day or you maybe wait until later or maybe tomorrow where um, other teachers or, um, and especially, you know, bless their heart, public school, you can't wait to teach them tomorrow. It has to be taught today because tomorrow you're moving on to something else. Mm. So I, I have seen that. And sometimes it's a personality trait. Um, yeah, often they don't really last long. I hate to say it in the 30 years of teaching, those seem to be the teachers that don't have a lot of longevity in Montessori because, um, it tends to be a daily challenge. Yeah. How was that journey for you? Like, how have you, when you were early in your career, was that an easy thing for you to embrace? Or did you have some, some things you had to work through to, to really embrace the Montessori style? Uh, for me, I, I, um, I think from a young age, I've always, um, I have a younger sister, so I've always loved children and um, loved the part of teaching, even like if we would play, make-believe play, I always wanted to be the teacher. Um, so for me, it was almost something like I waited my whole life for. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, having Miss Chris be my mentor teacher made it truly effortless. I just mirrored her. I watched what she did. If I even, you know, bless their hearts, you have 24 kids and they're all completely different. And you get some that are not there for learning. They're they're there for play. So <laughs> how do you rein that in? And and then how do you do that without crushing their spirit or, or making them feel bad for their um, energy level? Mm-hmm. Um, where I, I could step back and again, having Miss Chris, I would listen to how she said it. I would watch how she would handle it. And then I would mirror that. And um, in the beginning, it is hard because you don't really have, um, it, it takes time to build that respect with for children to know that you mean business, mm-hmm. especially at a younger age. I started right out at, um, let's say I was 19. So sometimes children think of you more as a playmate or mm-hmm. don't take you seriously. So sometimes you have to set those ground rules or you need that, the firmness in it. Um, so in that sense too, you may get a child that you do have to be firmer with. You do need to be more consistent or have the, um, the, um, kind of more parameters set into place to make it more successful throughout the day. Um, so it, it can be different. I think that's, been a learning curve also different personalities especially as times are changing children are truly changing Mm. so you know i can't keep up with spongebob so (laughs) you know it really is these children are geared to to fast-paced and colorful and humor and um Sometimes you stick them into a classroom and tell them this is what we're going to do, and they're not interested. And you do have to put on more of a, a whimsical, fun side to it. Um, oh, you so have no problem me, doing that. <laughs> you are. You're, you're like the best. You're, you're natural at that stuff. Everybody <laughs> knows that about me. Miss Jody. Thank you. I love it. That's why I love preschool and kindergarten. I'll never leave it because I still get to be a kid. I get to sing. I get to dance. I get to joke. Um, the poor when the kids, kids. When you walk into the room and the kids just all cheering, cheering you on, like you're like the little celebrity. Yes. Yeah. I know. It's like you would think that. I love it. Well, I'm telling you, where do you get to go every day to a job where people, where you do, you feel like a superstar every day? You know, that, yeah. that truly is the biggest payoff. I mean, those kids, not only am I excited to see them and teach them and share with them either about a new continent or, or maybe we're learning about amphibians that day and and they're ready, they're excited and they want to learn. So when I see them, I'm as excited to see them as they are to see me. So that in itself, and then that takes your energy level over the top Mm. when I mean, I feed off of that. I truly say that that's what keeps me young. Um, 
<laughs> I, mean, I, I have fun watching you when I'm in the, in the I classroom. Know. I also feel so tired. Like, I always, I, so we talk, there was like a saying I heard when I was first going through my credential program, and somebody said that um, people who, teachers who teach like elementary age or younger teach because they love children. But teachers who teach a subject like I do teach because we love our content area. <laughs> and oh, <wow. laughs> and I was like, that's kind of true. <laughs> like, and I but I, I yes. there was a lot of like, you know, in, in my credential program. So we're at Teachers College of San Joaquin County. It's you know, we all go to the same building. So you have multiple subject teachers and single subject teachers. And then the you know, multiple subjects would be like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you could teach teenagers. And then I'd be like, I don't know how you could work with little kids. <laughs> and, like, and then I'd see you and I would say like, my children's teacher has the most energy I have ever seen in one human being. Like she's just always smiling and joking and is on and the kids are just like all over her and she does not even flinch like she's just yeah. in it <laughs> all of the parents all of the parents at the school know you as the lady that's better than spongebob <laughs> I, mean, I mean it's just a fact that you you go out there you put on the show and the kids are eating it up every time and i'm just like wow and you know what that's the, the bottom line at the end of the day Whenever I drop off Julian or whoever, like when we were dropping off Victoria, we knew that we were going to take our kid to somebody who would love them. And I think that was what it's all about. A genuine love that you bring to your work and why, you, you know, we really appreciate you and why you're really a blessing. Uh, Thank so, you very much. Yes. We feel Thank very you. fortunate I to have you. Yeah, I really... I feel very Thank you. I think that's like the most important thing for me is that yeah like even before Victoria was born while we were still in the military so she was a little bit of a military baby for a while and and we we've been super fortunate the daycare providers we were able to connect with in the military loved her and then we came here and we were able to find you and we said that we were just yeah, like, I was like I want where Miss Jody is. Yeah, we're, let's take let's take the kids wherever. Well, Jody yeah, because even when the, <laughs> when when Julian was supposed to supposedly he was supposed to move up to the primary class, and we were like, well, who's teaching primary? And it was not Miss Jody. And then we talked to you about it. We were like, uh, we just want him to be with you. And you were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I said. I feel that's that same thing. They're my babies. Poor thing. Once I get a hold of them, I never let them go. And even, you know, I feel so honored when when I'm entrusted to, um, you know, of course, your children's education, but the same thing when siblings come. That's the biggest honor. And the scariest thing as 30 years of teaching, I'm getting the second generation of children. Uh, yeah. So I'm getting children of children that I've taught. <laughs> yeah. So that's been a huger payoff. Whoa. I can yeah. you your whole career has been in Stockton, right? Yes, it has. So I yeah, so you Beautiful. definitely are have so have there been parents that came and they were your students before? Yes. Yeah. Wow. It's awesome. <laughs> it really is. Yes. There's even a couple children at the at Montessori that um I was their parents um teacher. So or what they've been amazing is they were seeking out Miss Chris as their child wow. um, became school age or as even their grandchild, they would say, Oh, then they would remember Miss Christine Baker and mm. they would seek her out. So yeah, we've I've been very blessed. The the families, um, I think that's what means the most to me that the families that I have built bonds with and, and feel connected to for life. All right. You know, we're, we're pretty much coming up to an hour now, uh, a little, a little more okay. than that. Uh, so I want to sneak this in there. Why don't you tell us about uh, your work at the pizza spot? Oh, yeah. You're a business owner, too. Don't forget. We what? Got, yes. We got a entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> to the podcast. So go I ahead. got fired from that job. Ah. Yes, I complained too much there. <laughs> well, what's going on over there? Especially hungry customers that are a little you know sometimes you can be a little hangry and they don't like when i use my montessori on them and tell them you know please use your friendly words i need you to practice your patience um so often i'm frowned upon there <laughs> well, just yes, drop, the, uh, drop the address so people can go check you out where, where are you located now 
us. We're um, here in Stockton. It's 4118 North El Dorado Street. Um, we're just south of March Lane. Our nearest cross street is Churchill. Uh, we're in a wonderful neighborhood that supported us for years. Uh, again, we've been blessed to where these children have grown up in the neighborhood and then they come to work for us oh, wow. or their parents <laughs> work for us. And so they send their kids to come work. Um, so yes, we, we were very fortunate. We bought it from, um, Rick and Sue Calder back in 1995. We bought, it was Rick's pizza and there's three brothers. There's Rick, Michael, and David's. And then after seven years of owning it, we changed it to Eric's pizza. Although I wanted Eric to change his name to Rick, but he wouldn't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the pizza I thought it would be change. easier for signs and everything, but he didn't go for that. So we call it E-Ricks. <laughs> E-Ricks. So, yeah. What was no, that? And, and that's... I'm actually curious, like, how did you get in? So what was the drive to, to get a pizza parlor? Was that just something you've it always was- wanted or... Oh, again, we were so fortunate. It was Eric's first job. Eric started there as a dishwasher. Wow. So he was way up, and then Rick and Sue have Eric's Pizza, or Rick's Pizza in Lodi. And so when they opened their uh, Rick's Pizza in Lodi, they sold us this one here in Stockton in 95. So Eric was able to help them facilitate uh, being at a whole other location and still keeping this one running for them. And so when their goal was accomplished of their store running in Lodi, they sold us the one here in Stockton. Beautiful. That's pretty amazing. So if you want delicious pizzas, some of the best (laughs) you'll ever have, you need to go to Eric's Pizza in Stockton. E-Rick's Pizza. E-Rick's. And even now, you guys are... E-Rick's is doing a... (laughs) Take takeout orders, right? With the with the pandemic, you're still yeah. yep, yep. So still yep, in business. Absolutely. Very good. Yeah, there's even dash. Everybody's door dashing these days, so make it even easier. Nice. Come right to you. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There's your little promo. Yeah. There. <laughs> Thank you. I got a pin. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> got to drop the plug. We had to give you that plug, of course. I'm glad he remembered Thank that. You. I would have been so mad at myself if I forgot. <laughs> Well, thank you for your time again, Miss Jody. We did. We just finished an hour and like change now. I well, poor Rosalie. Once I leave your, once I'm done with Julian, I can sit there and talk for hours. The (laughs) other day I was there for almost two hours. I felt so bad. I'm like, oh, sorry, Rosalie. Oh, don't worry. We're gonna do another. We're gonna do another one of these probably in a couple weeks, and we'll do two hour. We'll do a two hour session. (laughs) No, I'm talking. We'll, we'll give right, you something to do you during there. this this uh, pandemic. What's that? It's just something for you to do during this pandemic. <laughs> to come yes, hang out. Yeah, there with you us. go. It is. I like it. A quarterly visit. Yes, I look forward. To quarterly it. visit with yes. Miss Jody. <laughs> yes. No, that and I like that. Just check. Good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Educators Not Robots. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to learn more about Montessori education or Miss Jody, you can visit our website at educatorsnotrobots.com and look under blogs. Thanks again for listening and leave a comment if you like our podcast. Leaving reviews does help our podcast get more visibility and also subscribe to whatever platform you're using. Thanks again and we hope that you will come listen to us again soon.